I've been praying for the non-believers. All my neighbors thinking I will leave her. Awful eager to fall for all deceivers. They don't care what the creator prefers. They don't believe in walking up to Peter. They don't believe in God, Jesus either. Go from breeders and the instant reapers. Listen to the tweeters, the twisted leaders, misdemeanors. Then you go for felonies. Longer I've been, the more it looks like hell to me. Nobody helping me. They live so selfishly. They don't look well to me. You speak but seldomly. Telling me your lost in time is low. Tell me what's the cost to follow. Y'all should know. Y'all so will be Hello and welcome to Be Vigilant. I'm your host, Matt Dean. Today with me is Natalie Polson running for 3rd District here in Spokane. Today's episode is brought to you by us here at Be Vigilant. We thank you guys for tuning in on American Christian Network, Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Natalie, how are you today? Doing great. How are you? Awesome. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us here at Be Vigilant. You have been on the show before. I that, have. That was a big day for you, I think. It was a very big day. We really appreciate that. The day that Spokane Public School District decided that you no longer got to work with them. They can uh, take a hike. I tried at least once a week bag on District 81. I know you probably have a lot of friends there, maybe some friends on the school board, but I don't. So I can do that, right? Uh, not on the school board. I am not their <laughs> biggest fan. I have some amazing friends who are teachers and even some administrators, but there's definitely many that, again, probably not their greatest fan at this point in time. Yeah. Once again, if you don't know what Natalie did, she took a mask off and uh, was told that she no longer could work for the school district, which tells me that District 81 is a bunch of dictators and they want their kids to be little sheep. They don't want their kids to grow and become individuals. Yeah, I have to add to that just to make sure the listeners know that I took my mask off because they had hired me to be the expert on emotional health, and I was watching kids suffer. So after I'd exhausted efforts of trying to talk to that school board and a few other people like our legislators and nobody would listen, I chose to take a stand. Amen to that. We thank you for that. If you want to tell the listeners, everybody out there listening, who you are, your little history, your background, Spokane native, right? I am, yes. Actually grew up in the Valley, went to U-High out here. Uh, so Natalie Polson, running for Washington State Representative in District 3, Position 2. My opponent is Tim Ormsby, the incumbent. And a little bit about me is native to Spokane. I, again, grew up in the Valley, and then I've been in the 3rd District for 25 years. Went to SCC and then Gonzaga and eventually got my master's at Whitworth. So my roots are deep. Mm -hmm. You've hit every higher learning education place here in Spokane. That's awesome. Yep. Just kind of made my rounds. Mm -hmm. And then my oldest children, one went to Shadle and one went to NC. You know, they had to go to rival schools right there. So, again, we just, you know, know the community really well. And I'm running because I love our community and I would like to see it be safe again. Yeah. I can say I don't know Tim Ormsby personally, but I can see on his voting record, I can see from people talking to people that live in the district, it seems like he's just happy getting voted because he's a Democrat and he doesn't really care too much. I mean, you don't have to go into details with that, but just one of those politicians that's there because he got elected once and just keeps getting reelected. He actually didn't get elected the first time. Oh. He was appointed about this time 20 years ago. 20 years ago, okay. <laughs> and then he started getting elected. So he was first appointed to this position. There you go. And we had our good friend Bob McCaslin on on Monday, and he said, you know, he's a two-term kind of guy. He, he, he'll he do his own term limits, and I think we don't need to institute term limits on politicians, but we could more politicians to say, hey, I came, I did my job, now I'm going to go home. 
Yeah, I would definitely agree with them. I'm not sure it's going to be two terms with it being two years. I'd like to really get in there and see some serious work be done and restore safety to our state and especially our city. And that would be my major goal and really look at education. That needs a lot of work, so I'm not sure if that will happen in two terms. I don't see myself as a career politician, but I definitely see myself doing some serious work and staying there until it's done. Amen to that as well. Yeah, I, I don't know if people realize. I didn't realize that. When you get into a state rep position, it's every two years. You've got to be campaigning. You've got to be fundraising. And so it's a lot of work besides bringing your people's issues over to Olympia. So we thank you for that and hope that you have continued success after this election. Maybe there'll be some more conservatives in District 3 that say it's time to change, right? I hope so. So on your platform, move the notes there. What does everybody need to know about your platform, what you want to bring to Olympia? Well, I definitely want to make crime illegal again. Oh, okay. I talk a lot about the safety in our communities, mm -hmm. and it really comes down to, and I've said this so many times, we have to change the legislation that has tied the hands of our police officers, and they don't even have a chance to do the job that they took an oath to do. Mm -hmm. So that legislation has to change. They need to be able to pursue criminals. We also really need to look at the Blake decision that caused a law that is also, it's decriminalized drug possession. And yes, there needed to be some work in that. And I've had some amazing discussions with both sheriffs and police and different organization nonprofits. And there are some great solutions, except for what's happening right now. Because mm -hmm. what's happening right now is not working. Yeah, to me, it seems like they didn't go the full organ where they totally decriminalized all drugs, but they made it. They decriminalized big chunks of it, but still made drugs illegal, right? Is that what I'm getting from our legislation? Yeah, about that. Um, they definitely are trying to go after the dealers and the suppliers. The problem is, is our overdose deaths are mm -hmm. three times the national average. So the legislation that they have passed because of that Blake decision, it's not um, humane. It's mm -hmm. not compassion. It's killing people. Yeah. And that's not right. Yeah, and I mean, I'll just equate that to our porous southern border where all the fentanyl is coming through, manufactured in China. We've seen the reports on that. And then just coming across the border because, hey, it's open. And I read somebody posted last week that their brother died from a fentanyl overdose. I don't think he was a druggie. I think it might have just been mixed with something he got into. And the Spokane Valley Police said that, yeah, we get about three of these a day. It's nothing new. And that's shocking. You know, the recovery program is what I do for fun on Friday nights. And so I see it. it and it, we really need something to do. And I think compassion of educator that would bring legislations like that is what we need in Olympia. Because we don't, we don't need to take every drug user and throw them in jail. I don't think that. But we do need to start getting harsher on the gangs. I'm sure you see that in your district with crime. Foreign gangs are moving in. They're not homebred gangs from Spokane. I don't know if you've seen that. They're MS-13 gangs. They're street gangs out of L.A. I did a ride-along with a police officer. Okay. How was that? It was amazing just to learn what's going on. Sad. Mm -hmm. I mean, what they have to deal with and how much they can't do because their, tan their hands are tied with this legislation. So it's a little frustrating for them. Yeah. So it's glad to hear that somebody wants to bring concerns of the police, concerns of the citizens back to Olympia because that's what we need. Absolutely. I always say I'm a conservative with a humanitarian heart. Yeah. And so often when we're talking to the third district, which has been very blue for 30 years, I like to really present the fact that 
I'm willing to come to the table. We have to unify to some respect in order to get things done. We have to start solving problems and not just admiring it or just being in a position to get a paycheck. Yeah. And I think so many people say, oh, conservatives, you're just a bigot, you're close-minded. But as Christians, Jesus taught us to be out there helping the poor and the lost and the, the, the downtrodden. So I think the liberals, the less conservative ones, they want to spend money and just throw money at a problem, where I think a real conservative wants to get in there, roll their sleeves up, and try to fix the problem, right? Absolutely. That is definitely what I want to do. Yeah, and as an educator, that's what you did. So I assume that you want to bring an education background to Olympia. They probably use a lot of dummies over there. <laughs> well, I definitely want to work hard. Mm -hmm. I like to research. I'm really good at coming to the table with a lot of different personalities and opinions and being able to get the work done. Yeah. So what, when you look at our education, besides dictatorships of school boards, what could Olympia do to help educators in our state? Well, we definitely have to have a focus back to educating our children, mm -hmm. educating them to read, write, do math. Let's have some science and history in there. But there's a whole lot of other things that are being taught instead of making sure that our kids are ready to fill out job applications, um, have the opportunity to go to college, or maybe a trade is more appropriate for them. We've kind of lost that in our education system. Mm. And so we just kind of keep moving kids through whether they pass or not. And our scores are awful. Really? Our kids are not passing reading and math, the basic fundamentals. And then in addition, we have to really talk about consequences in schools. And yes, I'm going to use the word consequences. Ouch. That's a hot button topic. <laughs> it's such a hot topic, but we don't parent with no consequences. Mm -hmm. You can do it in love. You can do it with kindness. You can do it, and it's not punitive. But children need to understand boundaries and consequences, and our public school system does not have it. They think that it's okay to just kind of keep letting the kids stay there no matter what, and they need to learn some boundaries. Mm -hmm. So as a former educator, Becky and I reported on this a couple weeks ago, the Seattle Teachers Union decided to strike one day after school started or one week, they said they need a higher living wage. And okay, they're in Seattle. They, they wanted that. And then other things, they wanted more educators for the special needs children. And definitely, these all sound like great things, but why would a union decide to strike right after school started? Why not in the summer? Or is that something that legislation could work with the unions, do you think? Um, it's very difficult to work with school unions in mm. general. Um, I personally have had that opportunity and just finished going to court with the school union last week. We thank you for that because I'm anti-union. So so the school, and I'm not anti-union. I taught the Industrial Revolution. Mm -hmm. I understand why it was formed. Yes. And I do understand that if people voluntarily want to be part of a union, then more power to them. So I'm never going to tell people that, you know, you should or shouldn't. Mm -hmm. But what I don't like is mandatory, and I definitely don't appreciate the school union where they had mandatory membership until 2015, and now they pretty much ignore you if you're not a member. So you need to pay your dues or you don't get represented, hmm. which is why I took them to court, because they did not represent me. I was a non-paying member. I paid for 17 years and then stopped paying and actually had met with them. Anyway, long story, just, you know, I didn't appreciate their views and what they were spewing out there mm -hmm. and didn't want to be part of it. So I stopped paying and was not represented. Yeah, because most unions do. They vote blue. They're liberal. They're very. 
pro-choice, things that Christians don't like to get behind. And that, that's what I try to tell guys that are in unions. And I say guys like steel workers unions and things like that. They're probably going to come for me now. But Well, just to back up, I have to say one thing. So they had to go on strike because they don't have a living wage. Well, let's talk about why they don't have a living wage. Inflation and what our governor and the majority party are doing to our state. Mm-hmm. That's where it's coming from. Yeah, and I, I think even whatever you could pay a teacher, and I'll go on record as saying this, it's probably not enough. I have family members that are teachers in the L.A. Unified School District, which is the biggest mafia in America, if you see what they try to do. But the, the amount of hours that they put outside the class, the amount of their own resources that they have to use money to bring into the class— I just I respect teachers and the ones that are in there in the trenches that are trying to make sure that they educate our youth that they're doing a, the best job they can, right? Absolutely. I try. Yeah. And uh so what will Natalie Polson bring to Olympia when you're elected? Well, I definitely feel that I will bring more than my opponent. He has had 20 years and mm-hmm. if he were part of the solution, we would not be in this mess. So I do think that my opponent is part of the problem. And he kind of goes with the status quo, and I don't see him trying to solve the problems. So had a debate with him yesterday, and one of the things I know that I'll bring is really focused on making our community safe again. He really thinks it's a housing issue. I have done a lot of research, like I said, and attended many meetings with different organizations. It is not a housing issue. It ha- it's drug addiction, alcohol addiction, and it is mental health. Mm-hmm. We are in a crisis with mental health. And until we address those two things, a house isn't going to fix it. Yeah, it's just going to for something for you to lose. So as a housing crisis, I assume Camp Hope falls into District 3, right? It does, yes. What's your take on that? I saw they're putting a fence around it this week. I don't know what that's to keep people in. That almost seems cruel. Well, I think it's a fire hazard. I know personally that there was a mattress that started on fire, and they were able to quickly get it out of the camp by throwing it into the street. Hmm. So my concern would be that had that happened with a fence around it, that peop- many people would have died. Yeah. So putting a fence around it is not going to solve the problem. I've walked through it twice. Okay. And I have taken the time to actually meet some of the people down there. And it is, it's despair, Matt. It really is. When I go through there, I care so much about the people that are there. But I'm watching, I watched three drug deals. Mm-hmm. I watched people doing drugs. And I watched people just depressed and sad and living in filth there's a lot of garbage a lot of feces and it's just it's not humane yeah. it's not compassionate mm-hmm. and you have these these groups that are saying they're not going to leave they, they've got they've already have other black marks on the jewels helping hands that they've been given shelters and then taken away and there's just a lot of a lot of maybe corruption or you know, I don't want to say that everything is true that I, people talk about, but when I see that they say, we're not leaving. Okay, but you're not helping these people either. Right. I, KXLY or one of the mainstream media did a report. They talked to a lady, said she saw a guy get hit with a hammer, mm-hmm. a guy get branded. There's rape going on there. Those all sound illegal, right? I, where so. the police aren't allowed to go in there. Is it like Mad Max, Beyond the Thunder? I've driven around it. I've never been as bold as you to walk through it. But we were looking for a young lady that might have been using, trying to help out. And I thought this was a well-organized homeless encampment. It's the biggest in the state of Washington. Yeah, they actually established their own hierarchy. I really? had big conversations, and they have a mayor. I won't put names out there, but I met the gentleman. 
and they have their own security team. Um, one security person got so violent he had to be taken off the team because he hurt somebody so significantly. And they kick people out if they don't abide by certain rules, which is interesting. And yeah. then they end up in the lot next door. I thought I saw kind of overfill. Mm. There was actually, it looked like they were starting to build a second deck on top of the RVs. They were then putting tents. Uh-huh. Becky thought maybe so they could watch the fireworks from the, the Indians game. It might I'm be the security detail. I don't know. Yeah. It need, it, something needs to be done. It does. It's just, there's no running water. They have porta potties. Um, I watched people like go to try to use them and walk right out. So I would assume that they're pretty gross. I don't know that anyone's cleaning them. And it's just, I see the people that are there supposedly helping. They're the ones cleaning up around the dumpsters. They're the ones doing everything. And you would think that if you're living there, you would want to clean your own environment or you would have, I, I don't know, I think of jobs or, you know, do something to keep your environment mm-hmm. productive or to you would the think. best of your I'm from ability. San Francisco and it's like a giant homeless encampment, the whole oh. downtown San Francisco. And it's... People are there because, go back to your earlier points, drug abuse, mental health. Having worked and handed out food with the homeless population here in Spokane a lot, I would say 90% drugs have them there. Yeah. 10%, 20% mental health, maybe the crossover in mental health and drugs. There has to be a solution, and it's not just throwing our tax dollars at it. Because in the root of addiction, is not the addiction, it's whatever's broken in these people that's keeping them stuck that way. So you asked what I'd do in Olympia. One of them would be no one should be profiting from this situation. Mm -hmm. So I definitely would like to see the money allocated appropriately and to get things done. Whether that's if I have to go hand the checks and figure out exactly where it's going and how it's getting spent, I will do that. I talked yesterday that I shouldn't have to drive on the streets of Spokane with my six-year-old in the back seat, windows down because it's a beautiful day. We pull up to a stoplight. And a guy on the street is shooting drugs up into his arm, takes the dirty needle out, and throws it into the vacant lot behind him. That is somebody's son. Mm-hmm. That is somebody's brother. That is somebody's father, potentially. I don't want that for them. We don't want that for people yeah. that we love. So why are we allowing it? Mm-hmm. It's it's craziness. I think the sheriff right now, Ozzy, said he's going to go and clean it up. And they said, well, you got to do something with these people. He said, yeah, I'll give them a bus ticket. To wherever their family is because their family can take care of them better than you know and i'm not a huge aussie fan but i thought that's one of the most humane things i've ever heard him say is that their family should be taken care of them yeah. right and he said that he would buy that ticket for wherever they needed to go to get themselves well mm-hmm. and i think that's great i've never gone down and said hey where are you from where are you from where are you from but i bet you a big population is local to the pacific northwest at least And I've said before, this is not a place I'd want to be homeless. It's either way too hot or way too cold. I agree. And I also think about, okay, you have this camp right now. When the snow starts to fly, that, it's not a safe place to be. They even had to put them into, what was it, the convention center Mm -hmm. when it got too cold and then $300,000 worth of damage. Yeah. So The library that they had just remodeled, I think they used that one too. We just need a better solution. Yeah, and it, it's compassion, and I feel that when you talk that that's what you'll bring to the table definitely is the compassion for the humanity. Absolutely. I can't say that your opponent has ever made any mention. I'm sure he gets plenty of coverage from the mainstream media being a Democrat. I've never heard him say anything 
on the humanitarian side of what we have going on right now. Housing crisis, yes. Housing crisis is everywhere, though. That's national news. That's not mm-hmm. Spokane, right? And he talked. I mean, yes, there's a housing situation. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the homelessness in our area is not based primarily on housing. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to make that clear. Yes, I'm aware of housing situation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But not related to the homelessness. Yep. And it, it's not a tiny home fix all. They keep saying they're going to give them all these tiny homes, but where's that money coming from? Where are you going to put them? They'll eventually leave those two. Yeah. Yep. The housing crisis, I'd have to say, is, you know, I'm talking, uh, Bob and Kazan said people knew that this area was going to grow this fast and nobody really wanted to keep up with it. Wade Nelson said the same thing with the sheriff's department. They knew that we were going to grow this fast. That's where the housing crisis comes from. There's not enough for the people that want to live in houses. And something that can be done when I get over to Olympia is really looking at the restrictions on condos Mm -hmm. and trying to really look through that situation. So really working with developers and landlords. And here's the thing. I often say, I don't have to have all the answers. I need to to know how to pull the right people to the table. Mm -hmm. There's enough experts and expertise out there that we can solve it. And it doesn't need to take two years, three years, 20 years. Mm Mm-hmm. We can solve this very quickly. We just need to get to it. Yeah. And it's not the politicians aren't going to solve it. Like you said, I like to hear that. Let's get the right people on the right job. So real quick, I want to talk about District 3 boundaries because it's a little weird. And people are out there listening. And before they get their ballots, maybe they can know that they're already going to be able to vote for you. Where are these boundaries? So they redistrict. So that's why people sometimes are a little confused. And the third is probably the wonkiest of all of them. So basically it's Francis to 55th on the South Hill. This isn't exact, but around. And then the east-west borders are Havana to 195. Now it takes a little bit of Five Mile Hill, a little bit of Eagle Ridge, and it randomly has Feltz Field. And then they took out Hilliard. So they took out... Division Euclid, or you know, Francis to Euclid, Division of Havana. They took that, like, cut it out. Does that go up to the ninth then? or uh, That went to the sixth. sixth. <laughs> okay. We'll leave it that. I mean, I'm not going to touch that, why they redistrict everything like that. You got pretty close to us with Feltz Field, a little bit further. We could have voted for you. I know. We have, good, we have good people to vote for over here, though. And so, you said, uh, the third has been traditionally blue. How can we make it purple? Why would somebody that's not a GOP or a Republican conservative, why should they vote for Natalie Paulson? Well, I'll go back to telling you that I'm a conservative with a humanitarian heart. And I also want to remind everybody that I love this city. My roots are here. I am native to Spokane. And I want my children to want to stay here and Mm -hmm. be able to thrive and be safe. I want your children to want to stay around you. You know, for the most part, we want our families to stay close. Mm-hmm. And I I am different because I'm going to do the work. You already have seen me in the neighborhood everywhere. I, I'm all over the place. I'm going to meet with the groups. I'm going to talk to different organizations. I'm going to try to understand the problem by talking to the experts, by walking through places like Camp Hope. That's how you understand something. And so I know that I will do the hard work. I know that I had the courage to stand against a policy that was more about politics than it was about our children. I will have the courage to stand for what we need to thrive again. That's awesome. What are you looking forward to when elected going to Olympia? Have you talked to Bob or Rob or any of the people that you know that have been over there? 
Is there something you're looking forward to? I know picking out a seat is always a good one for a freshman or where you get your seat. You know, I honestly haven't wrapped my head around picking a seat. I am just working so hard. We are hitting so many doors trying to get to every person we possibly can in this district to Mm -hmm. let them know that I'm the person to vote for. Courage is contagious. You got to vote for Natalie, especially if you want to see our community be safe again and our children to be productive members of society and actually have an education. Yeah, that's so true. If we don't set up the next generation, what are we doing? It's going to crumble. We've seen Detroit fall apart. I think it's on a, it's on a rebound now, Detroit, they say. But the water's wasted. People move. The auto industry moved out. Spokane's lucky. You know, I, I'm lucky I'm in manufacturing. There's a lot of manufacturing, a lot of good jobs. We have Kaiser here that really gives people good living wages. It's time for us to invest a little bit more, right, into the infrastructure. Absolutely. To keep things here. And why do we have to watch it go further into despair? We have seen enough cities. Let's learn from those. We don't have to make the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. We already have made some, but you know what? Let's figure this out. There's plenty of experts out there that have already done it and already have a path. Yeah. I'd have to say any of the local politicians here, the reason we're sliding is because you've taken a socialistic view. That's just going to be my two cents. I'll throw that in there. Real quick, I just hit me as we were talking. So District 3 incumbent, incumbents, yeah, we'll go with that word. <laughs> Most of Spokane proper, right? The city of Spokane proper. Yeah, Have basically. you been in contact with the mayor of Spokane? I have. I've had quite a few conversations with her. I try to, like I said, reach out to lots of different entities just to understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. And what's your take on what she wants to do? Is she willing to work with you or she just want to continue trying to do it all on her own? She's been very open to talking to me, and I would hope that that would continue when I'm elected into the legislature. So Mm -hmm. I would hope that continues. Yeah. So... As we wrap it up here, there's got to be some people you want to thank, right? You had a pretty big following and group because are you just knocking on doors all by yourself? Oh, heck no. Um, I could not even begin to start with names, but they all know who they are. We have an enormous team. Um, It has been well known all the way through the state that I have one of the biggest, probably I'd say grassroots team. There are so many people that have come out from all walks of life and are doorbelling or volunteering or making thank you cards with me or addressing envelopes. I mean, it just, it's extensive. They're amazing. I would say probably, I don't know the exact percentage, so don't hold me to this, but it has to be at least 95% or more of funds donated to my campaign have been from people, not big money, not any of that. It's from people donating. That's awesome. You're like the conservative Bernie Sanders then. (laughs) And you're not beholden to anybody, right? Exactly. But if you do have a business... And you want to get behind Natalie, we've got about a month till elections. How can somebody get a hold of you if they want to donate? What's your uh, campaign website? All those good things real quick. Website is friendsofnatalie.com. You can find me on most social media platforms of Friends of Natalie or just Natalie Polson, depending on what social platform you're on. Mm -hmm. And right now we are really looking to finish raising a little bit of funds so that we can really hit media hard. So commercials, TV, all of that stuff so that name recognition can get out there Mm -hmm. and we can win this race. Awesome. That's Friends for Natalie. Friends of Natalie. Friendsofnatalie.com. Natalie Paulson for the third. Thank you so much for coming out today. Thanks for having me. Good luck. I'll keep praying for you. Until next time, remember, be sober, be vigilant.
to the old me.